Good afternoon and welcome back to the QB Spotlight Podcast. We know it has been a while since you've heard our voices. We first and foremost want to apologize for that and also want to say first and foremost, uh, following the initial first and foremost, we hope that everyone out there is practicing safe social distancing. Hopefully you guys are being safe. We know, like I said, uh, it's been a while since we've heard our voices. We hope that all of you have been safe since the last time you've heard our voices. Uh, both of our schedules have been kind of kind of a little bit hectic throwing off on the whole COVID-19 coronavirus situation. I know Steve had a, uh, you know, a couple of players that he was training at the time and, you know, that got thrown out of whack. So thanks for being patient with us. We are, we'll prom we promise that we will do our best to continue cranking out this content and give you guys something to listen to throughout the entire situation. I'm sure all of us are tired and we've run through our entire uh, uh, Netflix uh, library. So thanks for joining us back. Once again, uh, I am Eric Henry, FIU beat writer and Conference USA, pod host, Conference USA podcast host, excuse me, for SB Nation's Underdog Dynasty. And as always, we're joined by the man, the brain behind QB Spotlight himself, Steve Hamner. Steve, how's it going, my man? Yeah, we know Steve and I just, for those of you maybe new listeners, uh, we actually live probably about roughly 35, 40 minutes away from each other. But uh, it's kind of like an entire different world over here in Tampa to where he's at over in the Clearwater side of things, man. So how's it going over there for you? Eric, man. Yeah, it's a, it's finally good for us to uh, hear each other's voices and, and catch up. So echoing uh, what Eric said, you know, we, we hope everyone's been safe. Uh, our schedules have been a little crazy with everything. So we decided to uh, – we didn't decide to take a break. It just kind of naturally happened as we were getting everything to order uh, with everything going on. But, uh, you know, things are coming back around, if you will. Um, so. It's definitely a uh, definitely you know different, and, and usually me and Eric have been trying to uh, do these podcasts together in person. So like the past several episodes we have been, I know it's been a few months, uh, but since with everything going on right now, we are definitely practicing our social distancing and and doing this through uh, just the, the phone and the internet. So things are well over here. Um, some sort of normalcy or some style of normalcy seems to be coming back, but you know we'll, we'll let all the the decision makers make that decision and we just kind of follow the, the rules, but it was nice to have some uh, NFL draft this past weekend and keep up with some football stuff. Uh, Eric, what, a uh, what's your schedule been looking like, man? I know it's been different with, with no exactly sports to cover, but I know you've been putting out some articles and some, some draft stuff. So, so w what all have you been up to over there? Yeah, man, you know, like, uh, I mean, you know, we're not surprising anybody here, but since sports have kind of come to a standstill. So, Basically, what the majority of my schedule's been is just, you know, keeping up with my coverage beat, which is Conference USA, FIU football, and then also, you know, the draft gave me a little bit of content to pump out as far as, you know, Conference USA players were selected. Um, just breaking news on, you know, FIU and other Conference USA guys who've been signing as undrafted free agents, and we'll touch on a couple on this podcast. But all in all, man, I can't complain, man. You know, like I said, um, and like you touched on as well, you know, uh, we're, both of us are safe, you know, both of us uh, haven't been affected. And uh, that's huge. So, you know, uh, without further ado, you know, we won't dwell on the situation uh, at hand too much. We'll we'll kind of jump into it. And uh, actually, really quick, you know, uh, let me ask you this, Steve. Yeah. Uh, did you kind of like the, the I don't want to say new format, but the way that the NFL draft was done this year? I mean, I know personally, and just some of the people who I've talked to, they actually kind of liked the idea of the, the virtual format. Uh, even some people who, you know, work in uh, professional football have said, hey, you know, it was a nice change to not have to, you know, be away from our family. And, and I think, you know, so first question would be, did you like the change? And I think the second question would be, I think this kind of shows that there are some things that can be done from home. You know, I mean, obviously these coaches and scouts need to put a lot of time in at the office, but 
yeah, I think it was nice to see these guys with their family, you know, kind of kick back and, and, you know, a different side of Bill Belichick with his dog. You know, I, I thought that was cool. Yeah, no, I'm with, I thought it was, it was a little more, you could see like their real side is more like um, authentic, if you will, as opposed to like, they're just like straight coach face on. So I like seeing the coaches side for sure. And seeing the, the, uh, the kids hang out, like Mike Barrow's kids are hilarious. I don't know if you saw that picture where they all dressed up weird and randomly because they knew that they were about to, uh, to come up. And then I also like the, uh, the players side too, seeing them with their families and celebrates a special, that's a, it's such a special moment that you know most people in the world don't, uh, aren't able to experience. So I enjoyed from both perspectives and, and, and both sides. So it'd be in- interesting to see how they, uh, they, you know, move forward with the draft and if they kind of take some of those, some of those ideas and, and uh, move forward with it. I'm sure, I'm sure you enjoyed it too, being in the sports media, I'm sure you can appreciate like how much work went into it too from people behind the scenes. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, we promise we'll we'll get to the quarterbacks yeah. in a second. Just something I thought of on the fly. Uh, give credit to you know all the networks, whether it's ABC, NFL Network, or, or um, ESPN, because you know I don't know which you know channel you chose to watch, but there the draft, the entire broadcast really went off without a hitch. I mean, I can't think, and I watched all day you know every single day obviously for work i had to you know be plugged in to see when guys were getting selected so i didn't see any hiccups you know uh, there wasn't any technical difficulties with any of the coaches or anything like that so mm-hmm. definitely give them a lot of credit on 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 that end but yeah let's go to we'll jump into the quarterbacks here and this first topic we're going to touch on here is let's just take a look at some of the g5 quarterbacks who were drafted and we'll also touch on a couple guys who were signed as undrafted free agents i mean i think you and i probably spent the bulk of maybe our last two or three podcasts previewing guys who we were kind of, you know, gauging to see where they may get drafted, who may get drafted and whatnot. And now, you know, that's actually all slotted. That is all taken care of. So, um, you know, I, I think it's actually kind of interesting the way the, the draft shook out as far as the quarterback situation. So I'll let you go ahead and, and, and take it away there. You know, just um, the G5 guys, you know, just quick initial thoughts and maybe we can go into some details after that. Yeah, so I think uh, I think it was a pretty decent showing for the G5 quarterbacks with with 13 uh, quarterbacks getting drafted. Uh, three of them were G5 guys, and then one uh, from the FCS level, so the rest being Power Five guys. So um, I think there there was no surprise that uh, I'll just kind of touch on the, the three guys and then kind of roll it back to you and get your thoughts on it. But I don't think there's any surprise that uh, Jordan Love. Uh, went first out of all the, the G5 guys. I, I think it was probably surprising to people he was picked by the Packers and uh, maybe surprised that he was a first-round pick. Um, but I do think it's a great uh, great spot for him. It would be interesting to watch him and see if he develops and see just kind of what the dynamic uh, with Jordan Love and Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers being there. I know there's already stories coming out, but I'm just excited to see how he develops and, and what happens there. So, uh, congrats to him. Uh, I think it was surprising as far as James Morgan goes, being drafted ahead of Jake Fromm. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, Eric, but I believe he was drafted ahead of Jake, of Jake Fromm, the uh, former Georgia quarterback. Oh no, he was drafted well ahead. I mean, that was. Yeah. You know, I don't okay. want to, you know, jump jump into your spotlight here, but that was one of the questions. Obviously, covering FIU, I have a familiarity with James, but uh, that was one of the questions I got a lot on Twitter. Was that just the fact that James was drafted? in the fourth round, the 19th pick overall. And Jake Fromm, you know, was sitting there for another, uh, by my math, there, another round and change. He wasn't picked until the fifth round, the 22nd pick. So I'll let you jump back in. 
you know, yeah, yeah. So I think uh, great, great fit for for Morgan with with the Jets. Obviously, you know, me and Eric aren't NFL experts, and we don't know like what team needs what. But I think it's good that he's able to go there, and um, they obviously think highly of him, draft him where they drafted him at. So it's a good fit uh, up in New York, um, and the, the the fact that Sam Darnold. Is, is probably a similar style of quarterback to James Morgan. He's a, he's a guy that can sling it, can throw it from different variations, different arm slots. And I think he – I th- actually think I, I saw a stat that Morgan's actually older older than, than Sam Darnold. I'll let you comment, comment on that here in a second. Uh, and then the, the last guy, Cole McDonald, I believe drafted in the seventh round to the Titans. Uh, kind of a – I don't want to say a, a, a wild card, uh, if you will, uh, but he's a definitely a developmental guy who's – a great athlete who we touched on earlier uh, in earlier podcasts when he, he ran the fastest 40 time of any quarterbacks at the combine at a four, five, eight, and he can sling it. He's got above average arm. So I, I think the Titans are probably pleased to have a guy that can see uh, if he can develop seventh round pick. So it's kind of like, you know, why not take a shot? But uh, I don't think there's any surprises about those three guys getting drafted. I think, uh, I think once we talk about some undrafted sign signees that there might be some surprises, but as far as those three guys getting drafted, I think most uh, draft experts and and most people that follow, um, you know, the draft and G five football like us aren't surprised that those three guys were the group of five uh, quarterbacks that got drafted. Eric, what what are your thoughts on, on those guys? I'm interested to see your thoughts on uh, Morgan. And if, if you know any more about the fit with the jets and, and what they have planned for him. No, yeah. So you kind of threw out a little little tidbit there, which was that James Morgan is a couple months older than Sam Darnold, which is correct. Sam Darnold was drafted at 21 years. I believe he's 21 years and seven months, if my memory serves me correct. But James uh, is 23, whereas Darnold is 22 and change, or, or might even be uh, have just turned 23, I believe. Yeah, should have just turned 23. Um, you know, the months are all thrown off here. You know, it, it feels like you know it's, it's this month and it's not in. The draft actually did take place at the same time as it did last year. So mm-hmm. I had to kind of get that pulled away in my mind. But uh, as far as James goes with the Jets, I think it's a solid fit. I mean, Adam Gase, here's the one thing that worries me, right? So Adam Gase, for you know whatever you think about him as a head coach, has a good reputation with quarterbacks. However, he is entering a situation where, you know, I would like to have seen, and not just because I know James, and uh, this can go for any player. I mean, I don't want to see any player get in a situation where, you know, it's like recruiting, right? You know, all of us, you know, one form or another, well, not all of us, all of us on this call, I should say, yeah. in one form or another, were recruited, you know, to play college football and whatnot. And you know that, you know, the coach who recruits you might not necessarily be there by the time you get there. And I think that's one thing, or, or not by the time you get there, but, you know, throughout the, the entirety of your career. And that's one of the things I worry about with, uh, in terms of situation with James, is that, Adam Gase, you know, it does appear, and this is just, I have no inside knowledge, this is from an outsider's perspective, that, you know, the clock may be ticking, especially given the way things ended for him in Miami and then getting the job in uh, New York with the Jets. So my concern is you have a fourth round pick and a guy who, look, you know, you spend 15 minutes and we had him on this podcast. So, you know, for those of you listening, you, you had a chance to hear him uh, um, before and kind of get an idea and a feel for him. You spend 15 minutes in the room with James Morgan, you'll fall in love with him. You know, I mean, just in terms of personality and, you know, kind of being a stand-up, you know, hardworking, you know, character type of guy. So in that sense, he'll impress you. But if you're a new coach coming in and let's, you know, project maybe Adam Gase, worst case scenario, Adam Gase is not the head coach's team at this time next year. 
then a new coach comes in and he's not necessarily married to Sam Darnold and or James Morgan. So that's something that, you know, I think is a concern. But in terms of a pure football perspective, I mean, he's going to be a great fit because he's going to go in there. And I, I kind of like I, – I, I want to use the analogy. I cannot remember who said it. Uh, it may have been Lewis Riddick, but um, he was talking about Jake Fromm. And he was saying that Jake Fromm, that when you get him on the board, just how smart of a quarterback he is, you know, and uh, he, he's someone who can can go in there and if in if, if even if he's not going to be ever a starting quarterback, right? Even if he carves out a career as a backup quarterback, he can he can be a guy who, you know, he can he can him and Josh Allen can have a, a good starting quarterback backup quarterback relationship, and that the backup quarterback can always be that guy who says, "Hey, you know, I see this on the field." And, tra- and and pass on to the starter or be there during meetings or be there during game prep, right? James can also be that guy as well, someone who, you know, it, I mean, he lost his job at Bowling Green and had no problem still being, you know, involved in team meetings and things of that nature. So I think just from that aspect, you know, James can carve out a nice six, seven, eight-year career just based off of that. Now you want to take into account the physical tools, which is he can make any throw on the field. I think people who are just getting to know him are surprised by the strength of his arm, and that's something for those of us who cover him, whether it's Conference USA or FIU, known since day one. You can take that into account and say, hey, maybe you have someone who can learn behind a Sam Darnold, and then if his number is called, he can go out there and execute and play within himself and maybe do something. So I think all in all, it's a solid fit. Right, and, and real quick, I want to give you some credit, Eric, that the listeners probably don't know, but... When we first when when we first met, it was probably after James Morgan's I don't know maybe fourth or fifth game at FIU, uh, maybe even six. Maybe it was long earlier later on in the career twenty eighteen. It was the twenty eighteen season, and you, you reached out to ask if I would take a look at some of his film. And when you reached out, you said, "Hey, I, this kid's got uh, an NFL shot. He's got an NFL potential. He looks like an NFL quarterback. What do you think?" And so uh, obviously you you would. You don't toot your own horn or say that, but just wanted to give you credit on the podcast that uh, that you you know recognize his talent and his skill set before he even quote unquote was on the map. So uh, just a just another quarterback spotlight uh, co-host just just kind of doing his due diligence. Twenty eighteen, you, you had it called, so I uh, had to give you some cro- some credit, some props there, Eric. No, I appreciate that, but that's just sheer coincidence. I mean, I. I just lucked out in the sense that, you know, I, this is the team I cover. So, I mean, that was a simple question. But, um, yeah, I mean, as, as far as some of the undrafted free agents that who have signed with teams, I know one guy in particular that we both were high on, maybe yeah. you maybe you more so than me. Um, right. But, I, you know, I, and this isn't a knock on him personally, but I, I just – I think having seen his entire career in Conference USA, maybe I'm still being jaded by the images of 2018 and 2017 as opposed to 2019. But J. Smith. Uh, was an undrafted free agent, which is something, quite frankly, that I didn't see coming even towards the end of last year. And, you know, we've talked about on this podcast that he did miss some ball games with the violation of team rules. And uh, really quick for anyone who was looking for more information on that, I would suggest going to my other podcast, which is the Underdog Dynasty podcast on SB Nation, only because we had Louisiana Tech beat writer Corey Diaz on there. And he gave a lot of great insight into really his thoughts on what J. Marsmith's legacy will be there in Ruston. But to flip it back around to his NFL potential, uh, what are your thoughts on J. Marks? I know you were pretty high on him. Yeah, so I, I'm probably definitely higher than you. And 
you probably still have that, I'm going to say bad taste in your mouth, but you still have some of the images of 2017, 2018 season. Whereas uh, I think I've just, I've enjoyed the development that he showed in 2019. I think he actually put, put it all together. Um, and so it's interesting that the Patriots signed him, you know, the Patriots don't, even with undrafted free agents, they don't just sign guys, you know, one of their, uh, undrafted free agents was Brian Hoyer and he's back on the team right now and he's been in the league forever. Uh, so whenever they take a quarterback, whether they draft him or sign him as an undrafted free agent, that speaks a lot to me. Um, and so that's a, that's a, a big deal for, uh, Jamar Smith to, to have a shot there. It's interesting. They also signed, uh, Brian Lewerke from Michigan State. So they obviously want yeah. some type of competition there. Uh, Lewerke, of course, had, had a great sophomore year and then kind of uh, degressed a little bit, whether that was his fault or system or, or players, whatever it may be, is up for debate. Uh, up for debate. But So I, I think we'll quickly find out, you know, once – I say quickly, once football activities resume and they can get their eyes on him and Lewerke together, we'll find out. Uh, just how good Smith can be and if he can stick around. Um, the interesting thing with with Jamar Smith is like he 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 kind of reminds me of a like a like a breed of Jacoby Brissett and Jimmy Garoppolo, who are former backup quarterbacks for the 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 Patriots, where he has some athleticism, uh, but he's also a pocket quarterback who wants to stay in the pocket and rip it but if he needs to move he can so that's kind of the analysis I have from a football uh, standpoint so I just find it interesting how uh, Bill Belichick always stays in his you know his type of players you know Um, so I think he's got a shot there another guy I want to touch on uh, as far as a a group of five guy and I'll shoot it back to you after this Eric is Josh Love out of San Jose State so he was the Mountain West Player of the Year, and this is a guy we talked about on the podcast uh, before leading up to this. And so the, the Los Angeles Rams uh, signed him out of San Jose State. And it's interesting, He the Rams also signed a, a Power 5 guy, Bryce Perkins from Virginia, who I, I like a lot. So I just find it interesting that the, the group of five guys who have been signed so far, and this is Monday at whatever, 5.50 or so, we're recording this podcast, so maybe someone has been signed or, or someone will have been signed from the group of five after this comes out. But for right now, the only two group of five quarterbacks that have been signed as undrafted free agents have also been signed with other quarterbacks from bigger schools for competition. So it makes me wonder if maybe they aren't sold on – these guys completely because of the level of play and they need to see more or if they just want pure uh, competition uh, just to see, you know, who's worth sticking around and, 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 and who fits their scheme better. Eric, do you have any, any thoughts on that perspective? Just because I, I found it interesting that I don't think any other team signed two quarterbacks, undrafted free agent quarterbacks, besides the two teams that signed the group of five guys. <clears throat> this is purely my opinion. Um, I, and I hate kind of getting to this kind of, you know, subjective type of nature, but I'll, I'll make a statement, but I'll also do it in the form of a question. It felt to me like this quarterback class past the, you know, maybe top three guys was a little bit light. And I don't want to say light in terms of, you know, talent, but for example, I think, each year in every draft, there's a group that it just comes out and it's really strong, right? So this year we had one, two, we had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, I believe ten or eleven drafted quarterbacks, right? Which or uh, maybe, maybe twelve? Is, is it thirteen? Is it thirteen, Steve? Thirteen, sorry. Yep. Thirteen. Okay. 
So, uh, I mean, fair amount, right? You know, it seems like a solid number. However, you only had, you know, four of those guys who went in the, in the first round. And I, say, I know I say only four, but it, it seemed to me like this draft, as far as quarterbacks, is a little bit heavy on the lesser end. And, of course, this draft was, a, you know, yeah. an insane receiver draft. You know, I, I don't have the number on me as far as how many guys were drafted. I'll just use this as my talking point. Steve, someone who I've talked about a ton, uh, whether it's in our personal conversation or even on this podcast, Omar Bayless didn't get drafted. Do you know yeah. what I mean? So that just goes to show you how deep it was a receiver. But I'm only saying all that is to say that um, it just felt to me like, you know, teams maybe kind of prioritize other positions and maybe felt like, hey, you know, we can get a J. Mar Smith in, uh, as a UDFA. We can get a uh, Kevin Davidson as a UDFA. We, we can, you know, if we want to kick the tires on a Mason fine later on, we can try that as a, as a UDFA, as opposed to feeling the priority to pick these guys in the draft. So I think that's just kind of, you know, I mean, I think Khalil Tate may have just been signed as well. So yep. the guy was, you know, pretty explosive from Hawaii. So uh, from Hawaii, from Arizona. So oh. that just kind of it, it sums up, you know, kind of my thoughts on, on, on the QBs in this year's draft. Yeah, and I think to jump on real quick, I know we'll get into this later on too. I think another factor is that, you know, the, they, these guys, most of them didn't have a pro day. Like they, these guys, sure. most of these guys didn't get invited to the combine. So it's like scouts haven't seen them throw besides on tape. And we both know throwing on tape, you can tell a lot from, but guys don't want to just draft someone just from watching someone tape, especially a quarterback. It, so that could play another role in the fact, hey, let's just sign him to, as an undrafted deal. Let's bring him in. If he can rip it, great. If not, so be it. We sign another guy too. Um, so, no, in, interesting point you brought up for sure. Yeah, so let's go ahead and transition to another topic here. And you just kind of gave me the perfect segue into our next topic, which, you know, we've been talking about the layoff and how it's been affecting people. So let's just kind of talk a little bit about quarterbacks and how they're being affected by, you know, yeah. not having the formal drills. You know, whether it could be incoming freshmen, we've talked about some – high school recruits or, you know, quarterback battles. And you don't have to get specific about any quarterback battles, just in general, you know, as someone who has played the position at the collegiate level and has been through, you know, a formal camp, you know, yeah. um, just talk about how these guys are kind of being affected and where you think, you know, if we, if we do get a season in September, October, I'm seeing things about, you know, hey, all we need are four to six weeks or six to eight weeks to get up and going. Yeah, sure. I mean, that's great, but, you know, it, it kind of takes away the progression of, the entire, you know, trend you see of incoming recruits nowadays, they leave school early and they enroll in college as early recruits or they get there during the summer and they're able to kind of hit the ground running. But now you don't have those things. So I'll let you kind of go ahead and take it away. Yeah. And Eric, before I do that, can I go back to the last topic real quickly? And I want to hear your thoughts on this too. And then I know I just, I just kind of let you let you talk before I – jumped in so i'm sorry um touch on a few of the guys who haven't been who weren't drafted or picked up uh mainly from from the g5 level with with mason fine yeah 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 so mason fine uh the north texas quarterback great quarterback set up set all the records uh caleb barker from troy an interesting guy who, who hasn't been signed yet as well and then you got bigger name guys like shea patterson from michigan kelly bryant from uh Missouri, the former Clemson quarterback. So I find that interesting, and I think there, there's several. I think what we just touched on before uh, getting into the the more college kind of base question. I think the fact the lack of pro days, I think, is obvious that it hurt quarterbacks like a Caleb Barker and a Mason Fine who needed to throw in front of scouts. 
Um, it's interesting to see if maybe they choose the CFL route or if they keep holding on and get picked up down the road, which I, which I hope they do and hopefully at least get a shot. But I found it inter- interesting that <clears throat> some of these other guys who maybe didn't have the career that uh, Mason Fine had or, or even Caleb Barker had, like, but they, they were drafted or they were uh, signed as undrafted free agents. So like a guy like Riley Neal from Vanderbilt stands out to me. He's a 6'6 guy. Uh, compared to Mason Fine being 5'10". And Mason Fine blew Riley Neal out of the water as far as numbers go. Riley Neal started at Ball State, transferred to Vandy. Uh, But it goes into the topic that a scout sees Riley Neal, and even though he didn't put up great numbers and um, was kind of rocky at Vandy, and Mason Fine put up these huge numbers, two-time conference USA Player of the Year, I think it's important to note that while I may lean towards Mason Fine, maybe because I'm biased, because I've you know kept up with him and, and covered him and watched him play, an NFL scout may see Riley Neal and just project him like, hey, maybe he didn't have the right coaching in college. We can give this to him. He projects better uh, than Mason Fine does at the next level. Now, I'm not saying necessarily agree with that, um, but that's an example of an NFL scout choosing someone like a Riley Neal or Steven Montez from Colorado, who signed with the Redskins, big 6'5 quarterback. Um, uh, a, a Khalil Tate, uh, who played at a big level and knows as a freak athlete, the Eagles picking him up. That's an example of, <clears throat> excuse me, of teams projecting these guys to be more successful in the NFL than a Mason Fine. Just to use some example, because I think everyone who is our North Texas fans are, are kind of surprised he hasn't even been picked up yet. I, I'm a little surprised too. I know I'm kind of ranting a little bit, but I think this is where it really hurts not having like a rookie mini mini camp. I know you remember last year, Brent Stockstill out of Middle Tennessee, Middle Tennessee, he didn't get picked up, but he was invited to the rookie mini mini camp of the Tennessee Titans, I believe. And, and nothing really came into fruition after that, but he still got a chance to go to a mini camp and, and display his ability. So the fact that there aren't any rookie mini camps that these teams can bring players like Mason Fine and Caleb Barker to, uh, I think hurts. So I, I'm hoping at some point they can have some type of modified rookie mini camp. They can bring in all these rookies and not necessarily sign them. It's like a tryout basis where they still get a shot. So I know it's kind of a long rant, Eric, but I just wanted to kind of uh, throw that out there. And then I'll, I'll let you kind of re re ask the question for the listeners, if you will, but if you want to kind of jump on that, I'd love to get your thoughts and, 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 and kind of see uh, what you think about, uh, that whole situation and the quarterbacks that haven't been signed yet, like Mason Fine, Caleb Barker, and even the bigger name guys. <clears throat> no, so you know what? I'm actually going to save my thoughts for the third topic because you're, okay. that um, okay. uh, that answer you gave right there is actually perfect because when we get into that third topic and we talk about, you know, hey, as someone who works in, in your, you know, line in terms of being with, uh, you know, sport-specific training and, you know, athletic training and uh, sports science and things of that nature, you have clients and, you know, without divulging any of those guys, you'll talk about, you know, how those guys are being affected. Actually, you know, let's go and do that right now. Let's, let's jump to it right now. We'll come back to, to the, uh, the whole podcast. You, you can blame that. You can blame this. I'm, blame, blame this. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I messed this up. I got us out of order. <laughs> no, no, it, it's all good. I mean, we're still, uh, we're getting our rhythm back from last time, you know, it's been a while. So, but no, I actually, I'm actually glad you do that. I think it's a, it's a good segue. So, you know, given some of the guys you work with, and, I, and you mentioned off air that you have a you know a second year guy and a couple uh, young veterans, things of that nature, who you know they're doing these virtual mini camps, right? Which is not the traditional get out there. You talked about Mason Fine, and that's the reason why I want to transition into it right now, is that 
typically right after this, you know, I texted James Morgan and Stanley Thomas Oliver from FIU yesterday, and they had time to respond. Typically, they would be going from their homes or wherever they watch the draft, and they would be in a rookie mini camp yep. by Tuesday or Wednesday. You know, they'd be ready to go on the field. That's not the case now. So I just want to ask you a two-part question. One, from the clients you do have, what, uh, how are these guys preparing for the season with the quote-unquote virtual training? And the second part of this question is, how do you just think that, you know, some guys are being affected, whether it's an undrafted free agent, a seventh-round guy, or even, you know, uh, a James Morgan or a Jordan Love, who they're a rookie, but they don't necessarily have the opportunity to hit the field. You know, I'm sure somehow, one way or another, they'll be able to sneak them a playbook, but yeah. they don't have the ability to go in there and, and hit the field and, and do the things they need to do. It's all going to be virtual. So I just want to ask you how uh, that, from that point of view, how those two things kind of mesh. Right. No, that's a good good uh, question and, and topics. Um, so without getting like into, you know, who I train, the teams that, that, that play for, uh, the experience and what I've heard from my guys is so basically there'll be like Monday through Thursday. Every team's different, but just for, for the example, we'll go, they're going Monday through Thursday and they're about two ish hour meetings a day or total of two hour meetings a day. They're trying to keep it. They have up to four hours, I believe each day, but they're trying to keep it a little, a little uh, lower than that. And so, excuse me, like they'll have their, their meeting group and then they might have their meeting. They're, 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 I'm sorry. They'll have their, their position meeting group. So they'll have their position coach and then they'll have like a meeting with their, with their whole team with the coach will talk. Uh, and so basically what some of these teams have done is it's this all install right now. I know some teams are doing like virtual workouts. I'm not sure how that looks. None of my guys are doing actual virtual workouts with the team, but basically the, the it's this, install so there's installing the scheme so whether it's a defensive scheme offensive scheme they're going over install and so the the coaches have recorded <clears throat> the coaches have recorded their install their, their lessons so to speak and then um they send out that recording so you can you can save it you can watch it over and over again and, and kind of dive into it and study it so they'll install they'll have install and so for the veteran guys even the guys that have been there over a year they kind of know how it works and they've had a full year two three how long they've been there of uh, mini camp and of the actual defensive or offensive packages so the install is kind of basic elementary level to them so it's more just review make sure you know your assignments when the x receiver does this where are you going to go uh, if the middle linebacker does this, where are you going with the ball type deal? So most most of the guys that have been there before already know this basic stuff. So I think it's going to be important for the rookies to, to have this. And I, I think that the coaches know that, so they'll probably cater to the, the, the rookies. Um, and so for those guys that, you know, the, the rookie guys, I think just getting the playbook, getting that down and just taking mental reps. And of course they can, most guys are finding ways to work out and, and train. You know, we have to be creative at, with, with different things and abide by the, the rules put in place by the rule makers. Um, but I think each team is probably a little different. Uh, I, I think I saw, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, if you saw this, that maybe the saints aren't even doing anything. I think Sean Payton just said, stay safe and stay healthy. So I think it, it's all pretty laid back stuff. And it's basically just install, get the guys together, meet, make sure everyone's doing something and just telling the guys, Hey, be ready. Cause you know, fo football season, uh, is coming some way, shape, or form, however that looks like it seems to be coming at some point. So, um, 
definitely I think hurts the 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 rookies to an extent, but I think the fact that everyone everyone's going to have a, a longer leash, if that makes sense. Do you believe that though? I mean, that's just you know just to kind of push back on that. Here's yeah, one thing that yeah. I know. And, and, and I'm asking in terms of the UDFAs, you know, because I think that's one thing I, without divulging a source, you know, I, I spoke to an agent, I just spoke to two agents yesterday. And one of their major concerns is that guys who are UDFAs, you know, they'll be able to get up to the team or the city that they're going to, and they'll be able to get acclimated. And, and in that sense, it won't feel so rushed, but you know, in another sense, and I'm not even talking about guys who come for a rookie minicamp. I'm just talking about, guys who have been signed as undrafted free agents and you know they're going to come into camp. Yeah. Yeah. When no. you're working through that timeline, I mean, Steve, you know this is a quarterback. If you're yeah. a guy like me you know, who, you know, played fullback, linebacker, and then a little bit of safety, you know, there's, there's a bunch of reps to go around. Like, you, you'll be able to find the reps somewhere. You can only put so many quarterbacks out there, especially, you know, when at a certain point in time with this, what could be a compressed timeline, you're going to have to get your court, your starting quarterback ready. Yeah, no, not, not now. You definitely making me think. So I'll say, I'll say, there will be the drafted guys or priority guys will have a longer leash. That's probably a better answer. Um, and then the, uh, it, uh, yeah, you're right. It's probably going to affect some lower level undrafted guys. Uh, but the, I, th I think for the NFL, I for some reason it's called just an inkling. I think at some point they'll have enough time to see these guys where they have to push back the season or, or whatever it may be. I, I think they're going to, I think this is all speculation. So, but just, sure. I, I, I think the NFL can have, has the advantage where they can make the off season. So they can push back the season and be totally fine and have a longer off season. So these guys acclimate compared to, I can see like college football. I can see them being more like, like let's say everything goes smoothly and they play whether they get, they push the season back or not. I can see them being more like, you know, D three D twos and some NAIAs where they may only have like four weeks to get ready before the season. You know, like when I was playing uh, the D three level, like our first games, like September, whatever first or in August. And we get there like August 1st or third compared to the, the bigger schools where they have the eight to 12 weeks. They're there all summer. So I think, uh, I, I know I kind of went off on a different subject, but I think that the NFL can make more time available and push it back if they need be, just because it's, it's a different level in college football. There's a lot more stuff that goes on into and the fact that if they can have the season or not. Um, but long, long answer uh, short is there'll be effects. Yes. And we'll, it, it we definitely have never seen this before and hopefully hopefully next year it's more of a, a friendly uh, advantage for these undrafted free agents because they are you're right they are a disadvantage especially the guys who are maybe a little uh lower level or less thought of as some of these priority guys sure so just kind of transition to that earlier topic just wondering your thoughts you know as we're talking about you know the change in the offseason environment surrounding everything going on just talk about how quarterbacks are kind of being affected by the layoffs. And I know you kind of touched on it a little bit before, but I'm going to have you take it from the college perspective here. So as far as let's break it down to two, two spectrums here, we've got your incoming freshmen and, you know, quarterbacks who may be involved in certain quarterback battles. Just want to see from your POV, how they're being affected. Obviously the rules in college are going to be a little bit more stringent than they are in the NFL. You know, in the NFL, once you got these guys signed on the dotted line, 
especially the UDFA guys, you know, they're going to be able to have as much access as they need. I'm sure the rookies, they'll be able to get their contracts as soon as possible, uh, get those things done. But, you know, like I said, I, I don't have any doubts that, uh, you know, Joe Burrows of the world or even, you know, the James Morgans in, in the, you know, seventh round picks uh, that, you know, they'll be able to get their hands on a playbook, right? But in college, you know, you have certain nuances. I have seen, and once again, I don't want to divulge any schools. I'm sure, you know, those of our listeners uh, have seen it as well. But teams have been conducting virtual meetings via Zoom and things of that nature. But just, you know, if you're an incoming freshman or if you're in the midst of a QB battle and you only got, let's let's just put a timeline on it, Steve. Let's say you got six to eight weeks. Yeah. We can use FIU as an example. You know, you don't have to really um, go in depth as far as that QB battle. But we've been talking about James Morgan on this podcast. They're going to have to replace him. And they've got two guys who I think the competition is going to come down to. But mm-hmm. so ideally, they'll look at three. You know, you got six to eight weeks. <laughs> that's that's not an entire off season. So I'll let sure. you have at it from there. Yeah, I think the I think with that, you know, and I, I think you would agree the advantage is always going to if with with that kind of uh, time time frame and, and what it's looking like will, will most likely be. I think the advantage will always be the guy with the experience because the coach can can trust that he knows the, the playbook and can trust that okay he. he we, we've seen more of him to trust to put the ball in his hands compared to player X. Uh, and so I think with that said, though, with all these quarterback gurus and, and quarterback private, <clears throat> excuse me, these private coaches out there that are doing some really good work, quarterbacks are more prepared than ever. So like 10, 10 ish years ago when I played, then this probably would have made, this probably would have been a lot bigger or not more negative effect on incoming freshmen than it is now. So while they might not know the playbook per, per se um, technique wise and, and um, j- just overall development, I think is far more uh, advanced than it was 10 years ago. So I think from that perspective uh, they can catch on pretty quickly, but as the season starts off uh, I think probably the more experienced uh, guys will, will probably take the lead. Uh, but even with those experienced guys, like the FIU example, uh, the, the quarterback, I'm, you're probably referring to, is it Kalen Wiggins, the guy who started last year from Morgan? Is that right? Correct. Correct. Yeah. So, so even guys like him or guys who haven't started, who are backups, who are supposed to take over this year, like they still don't have much experience, you know? So uh, they need reps and, and you know, you can only do so much virtual stuff. You have to get reps in. So I think I, I've heard the argument that, you know, players need, eight to 10, 12 weeks to, to be safe and to play. I don't think you need that much time as far as safety goes. Cause I think most of these players are training. They're doing something. Uh, Matt Campbell, the Iowa state head coach made a cool, uh, had a, a good quote out there. Cause he played at division three in Mount union. He was like, all we need was, was four weeks. And you know, the guys that prepared play and the guys that weren't um, didn't play just cause you know, they, the Mount, the, the D3 level, you only have like four weeks of, of your off season in camp. So I think from that standpoint, most guys are probably doing something to stay in shape. But I think from the question standpoint, which you asked as far as the the, the, the mental reps, uh, that, that doesn't take place of, you know, actual physical reps. So I think from a football standpoint, that's the, the, that lost time is more important than, you know, the, the, the actual training outside the, the, uh, the actual training in the weight room. So, um, yeah, I think, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. What uh, – what just for being in, in like the the more sports media world than me? What are you kind of hearing as far as um, as as coaches wanting more time, and as far as 
how they feel, you know, this is going to be affecting them. And what do you think as far as quarterback battles go? You can use FIU, for example, or just anyone. How is that going to kind of play out with this having an effect on everyone, not just the experienced guy, but the incoming guy? Well, I'm going to go back to your Matt Campbell example. And I say this with all due respect to Matt Campbell. That's great that at Division Three Mountain Union, they were able to do it in four weeks. However, if that's all they need, then we don't have an issue here. And Matt Campbell should just run his and, – and I'm not – you know, in a, to be antagonistic. But if that's truly the case, then fine. Run your program with four weeks, and I bet that they'll come back wanting 12 weeks, right? So right. I've never seen or heard of a coach who said, hey, give me less time to prepare. I'm not saying it can't be done in four weeks. What I'm saying is that, and, and I don't even think this has anything to do with level of play. I'm just saying that, you know, it's great to say that, and that's a really optimistic point of view, but no coach is willingly saying, hey, that's fine. Okay, I'll take another two months off, and we'll do it in four weeks. So right. respectfully, I'm going to disagree with Matt Campbell there. What I do think is this, and I'm going to lean on, I'll, I'll, you know, let you take it from a player perspective. I will use my perspective of covering teams for the past three years. What you're going to see is a lot of coaches, or or are, a lot of coaches are going to, like you talked about, they're going to go with the veteran, but I think it's really going to come come down to, and this is going to be of the most, utmost importance, consistency. If you can have good reps in practice, you will play. If you can't consistently have good reps in practice, you will not play. And this tends to be the, the theme for position players. You know, not necessarily, not to say that quarterbacks aren't position players, but position players other than quarterbacks. It, in my experience, it's always whether it's playing or covering. The two quarterback, the two positions that are kind of exempt to necessarily needing to have their best week of practice in order to be on the field are quarterback and or punter and kicker only because you have only have so many of them, specifically so many of them that are ready to play. If you've been prepping one guy for an entire offseason and then four or five weeks into the season, you're not going to just reverse course and say, hey, give me the third string kicker. You know, or like I'll use FIU as an example. Uh, when Tommy Heatherly got up to a, a bit of a auspicious start against Tulane, you know, Pete, you couldn't just hand the keys over to the third string punter only because he hasn't been getting that many reps in practice, right? Whereas if you're a position player, Typically, you're going to get the same amount of reps regardless. I mean, the ones will run with the ones, but the twos and threes will come in and run as well, and then scout team. So, uh, and actually, you know what? I'll go and let you opine on that, and then I'll make my second point. Yeah, so I think as far as it relates to the quarterback position, because I think I think it's fair to say uh, when the season starts, that's, you know, of course, we're speculating. We're just assuming something happens. Uh I think you might see, I don't know if sloppiness is, is the right word. I don't want to use that, but the not everyone will be up to full speed yet. And so I think the quarterbacks who take care of the ball, regardless, even, and this is true for, for you know, even if, if it's a, a normal season, but even more true now, the quarterbacks who just don't turn the ball over um, are probably going to be the guys who the coaches tend to go with, even if quarterback A, is a better ball player. He's just not developed at the time as say quarterback B just because quarterback B is taking care of the ball. So I think, I think coaches might get back to just more basic uh, reads and kind of just more basic uh, coaching as far as, Hey, he, this guy takes care of the ball, but he's not as talented as this player. I don't care. Put him in. So I think whoever the coach can rely on more um, 
which seems obvious, but whoever the coach can, can rely to take care of the ball on more, they're probably going to start off with, as opposed to maybe if they had a full season, a full off season, they, they saw the quarter quarterback player a, who is a better player, but is, is kind of uh, loose with the ball, but they saw his potential. They might be like, you know what, let's just let him make these mistakes. Let's take this risk. And let's start him. So you might see, you'll definitely see the more conservative approach, I think, uh, with, with the with the college quarterbacks um, compared to a guy might be more willing to throw a true freshman in if he has a full offseason, you know, like like the kid from North Carolina. Um, his name escapes me, the, uh, the, the former Florida State commit, um, Sam Howe. Uh, so, yeah, yeah he, he had a great freshman season, but he's kind of like he just makes plays, whereas if, if he was coming in this year, they might go with the veteran, at least start off with the veteran because they know what they have. I say veteran, the, the, the guy he beat out wasn't a veteran, so to speak, but he was there longer than him. So uh, I hope that kind of kind of answers kind of what we were talking about. But I think the reliable, more conservative approach is what the coaches are going to choose. Um, and so from a player perspective, I think if you just know that, just take care of the basics and don't try to do too much, then, then your shot of being in the field is probably going to be higher this season. Absolutely. So that kind of touches on that second point I was going to make right there. So uh, I will ask you this, Steve, you know, do you have anything else you want to touch on really quick or are we uh, good to go ahead and let the fine people know where they can find this podcast and leave us reviews at? I, got, I, I know it's good that we didn't want to, you know, touch on or try to jump er, or pile everything into, into one pod. So I'm glad to be able to touch on some NFL and touch on, on some college as well. But, you know, Eric, I'll let you go ahead and, and close this out and we'll be back soon. Absolutely. So like I said, you can always find this podcast on Twitter at QB Spotlight. You can find us on Twitter at Eric C. Henry, H-E-N-R-Y underscore. You can find Steve on Twitter at Stephen, S-T-E-V-E-N, Hamner, that is Hamner, H-A-M-N-E-R. Please feel free to leave us any feedback. The only way this podcast can grow is by giving us reviews. So we want to keep pumping out the content that you guys enjoy and do the things that you guys like and the things that you guys don't like. We'll find a way to weed them out. And Steve and I can talk about that as we're, uh, you know, sipping on some whiskey <laughs> on his uh, on his back porch. So um, please, you know, feel free to leave us any reviews. We are open to any and all feedback. You can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts at podcast.apple.com. Just search QB Spotlight, and as a matter of fact, you can just Google QB Spotlight podcast as well, and it should direct you to that same link as well. So thank you for listening. I will close this out with please be safe. Thank you and continue to be safe. We hope everyone out there is uh, you know, doing well, and we will continue to crank out this content more consistently. We won't let the uh, coronavirus slow us down again. So thank you for listening, and uh, take care, guys.